I'm here today to finish the longest going series we've ever had in our church, uh, just because it's been broken up by me having to go to Australia and different things and legacy offering and all that kind of stuff. But I started a series a while back called Treasures of the Heart. And this was a series where we talk about finances in our church. And the, the foundational verse that we uh, kind of based this whole series on was Matthew 6, 19. Jesus is speaking and he says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where all those things don't destroy and steal. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I feel like, do you remember when you, you watch a TV series and then you have the whole highest before Netflix, remember? And then you had to wait and then you forgot what happened in the first season and you gotta remember. Well, let's go back. Let's go back and let's see what happened in the first and second season. So in that first day that we talked about this, uh, to set the foundation of this whole series, we basically said, even though we're talking about finances, God doesn't want your finance and doesn't need your finances. He wants your heart. God's not poor. God's not in heaven going, oh God, I wish, well, oh God, oh me, I wish that they would give more this week. He he's not want that. He wants your heart. And the verse is very clear, is that God is very smart and he understands that wherever your treasure will be, your heart is going to be as well. And so we discussed that one of the greatest alignments for God to have our heart, to make sure our heart is his, is by tithing our income every single week, every two weeks, month, whenever you get paid. And that a tithe is giving the first 10% of our income of our uh, over and above to God. And, uh, and at the end of that, we talked about a whole bunch of different things, but at the end of it, I made it really clear. Go away and pray about it. Go and pray. Uh, I shared with you what I thought that the Bible says and what I believe the Bible says about giving, and I believe it's pretty scriptural, but in our church, we got a little saying that you should give under conviction, not under compulsion. And so I say the same thing even today with whatever I talk about with money. Go away and pray. See what the Holy Spirit tells you. We don't know how much you give unless you tell us, unless you write your name on the check and give it to us. We don't know how much you give at all. And so this is purely between you and God. So go and pray about it. The second week, we got a little bit more practical. In fact, there was so much I wanted to say, I had to split the sermon into two, and today is gonna be the second half of that. But we talked about how do we spend it? Well, how do we spend the rest of the 90%? If that first 10% belongs to God with the tithe, what do we do with the rest of the 90? We talked about the 10, 10, 10, 80 principle, which thoroughly confused a lot of people because that equals 110%. But, if you remember, I tried to explain it really clearly that the first 10% goes to God, and then with the remaining 90%, we take 10, 10, and 80%. That first 10 should be sowing seeds and being generous. The next 10 should be saving our money, having a rainy day savings account, and the 80% left should be to spend our money. We talked last week about launching our legacy offering season, which was really, really cool. Uh, just a great opportunity for us to be generous over and above. And so we get to today, and today's message is really part two of my last message in this series, how are you spending it, part two. Does it matter how you spend your money? Well, the obvious answer is yes, because if you spend it wrong, you may not have enough money to buy food to eat. 
If you don't spend your money right, it could have some real world consequences that you must live through. But we're in church, and so I wanna talk not just about the practical things, but spiritual implications as well. I believe that my money that I have, I've got three main areas that I need to use that money in. The first is to provide for me and my family, whether that's food, clothes, entertainment. The second is to be generous to others around me and to build the community that I'm in. Not my spiritual community, but my city that's paying taxes. Come on, someone say amen to paying taxes. Come on, say it with joy. Amen, right? It's paying our taxes. It's doing that something that we should all do. And the third thing is this, is that we should build the kingdom of God. I'd like to do all these three things, but, but even more than what I'm doing right now. Even pay taxes. I would love to pay more taxes. Do you know why? Because it means I'm earning more money. Huh? I want to do all those things, but I want to increase it. Let's look at what Jesus said. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? It's an interesting quote from Jesus. It's a well-quoted saying of his, and it comes at the end of Jesus telling a parable about a shrewd manager who wasn't very good with his master's money and he was pretty cunning and, and trying to shift a few things around him. You know, Ultimately, the moral of what Jesus is talking about is that if we're untrustworthy with what we have there, then we're probably not gonna take our walk with God seriously either. And that's sort of the big picture, but the principle that he's saying is a widely accepted principle in every area of our life, and it's simply this. If you can be trusted with a little, you can be trusted with more. If you wanna see an increase in those areas, which I've talked about before, providing for your family, yourself, you know, building the community, the city you're in, building the kingdom of God, then how you and I spend our money will determine how much more we are trusted with. And even though this is a spiritual principle, I mean, this is just a practical life principle. How do you get promoted in your job? You have whatever little bit of your job you have, and you do it well, and what happens? Your boss sees you with what they've given you, and they go, ah, you've done a good job, I'm going to give you more. Any promotion in life is us taking the little thing that we have, doing well with it, and either our boss, our parent, our leader, our teacher, whoever it is seeing that we're doing a good job and promoting us to the next level. So yes, how we spend our money really does matter. How does this look in our lives? Because there's so many different variables that affect how we should spend our money. Today, I believe that how we spend our money really, I've only got one point today. I got one main point and then a bunch of little points underneath it. But really, it's just one main point. And some of you are not gonna like the first point. You're not gonna like it. You're, you're just, you're not gonna like it at all. Uh, you're gonna not like it. But to me, it's the most important point that I have to talk about today. And it's simply this. If you wanna spend your money well, uh, this is it. You have to live by a budget. Live within a budget, also known as forget about the Joneses, which we'll talk about in a second. You know, unless there is an emergency, a situation you weren't expecting that you have to spend money on, there are three main reasons 
why people break their budget, and it's this, naivety, foolishness, and insecurity. We're going to unpack this, but before we do, I, I just got to set this as the foundation, that there are always going to be emergencies that come up in our lives that we will have to break whatever budget we've had because it's an emergency. And that's why we talk about in that 10, 10, 10, 80, saving money for a rainy day. When I preached about that, I preached about about a month and a half ago, and then literally a couple of weeks later, uh, we had an unexpected family trip where our whole family had to go to Australia. Last minute notice, the airfares were through the roof. It cost a lot of money, but we were able to dip into our rainy day savings account. And so it was totally outside of our budget that we had set as a family this year. And so I understand that there's gonna be emergencies that you gotta break the budget. But emergencies aside, because those things are out of our control, let's talk about what's in our control. The first is this, naivety. That some people don't live by a budget because they don't even have a budget because they don't even know what a budget is because no one ever taught them. And this isn't your fault. It might be the family you grew up in. It might be the school that you went to. You have no idea how to even process what a budget is, what to even spend your money on, how to even check how you're spending your money on. All you know is that money comes in, money goes out, and it's just kind of whatever. Well, after today's message, you're no longer allowed to use the excuse of naivety because I'm telling you, you gotta have a budget. Now, if you wanna know how to set a budget and what to spend your money on, there are so many different uh, wealth and health and great teaching online that you can go to. Again, that 10, 10, 10, 80 principle is something that you can live by. But there are so many different free applications that can actually help you in order to maintain your budget and keep on track. In fact, let's put it up on the screen. There's a bunch of free different apps that we have. Uh, there you go. Um, that you can go to any of these things, goodbudget.com, real, uh, real bite apps, real bite apps, real bite pisses. Com and moneylover.me. And listen, these are just three examples. These are not the be-all, end-all, and there's probably some payment things in there, but they all have free elements to it. And these apps are kind of good. You can, uh, they're gonna be on favor.church forward slash manila news in case you wanna check it out. But these will help you actually stay on budget. So it helps you, this is how much money you have, this is how much I'm gonna spend on these things and you can input the money that you spend and it will actually help you stay on budget. Don't let naivety be an excuse to not have a budget. I am taking that excuse away from you today. Today is a day that you need to make a budget because other than an emergency, the only reason why you would not stick to your budget is if you succumb to the temptation of the next two things. And the first one is this, foolishness. I don't stick to my budget because of foolishness. Either I'm lazy, I'm greedy, or I'm short-sighted. Foolishness is a huge reason why people misspend their money and they live outside of their budget. Proverbs 17 verse 16 says, why should fools have money in hand to buy wisdom when they are not able to understand? 
stand it. We gotta get rid of foolishness and we actually need to learn how to use our money, how to budget it. Foolishness will stop us living by a budget and then what's even worse is foolishness will begin to justify the utter anxiety and stress that we now have because we now have to pay off things that we can't afford, but foolishness will justify the stress and the anxiety that we now have. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about at all? Living by a budget takes discipline. It is hard, and it needs strength to say no. Look at your neighbor and say no. No, come on, everyone do it. Just look at your neighbor, say no. Hey, congratulations. You know how to say no? I just can't say no. Well, you just did. Look at what you're learning at church today. Get a budget, say no. You gotta look and you gotta say no. Jesus is talking to his three million boys in the garden of Gethsemane in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. He says this, watch and pray. They were falling asleep. They couldn't stay up. Jesus is about to be arrested. And he says, watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, this is a principle that Jesus is saying for them that night in the garden, but... <laughs> <clears throat> I've been real sick all week. Come on, everyone just cough with me on three. One, no, don't do it. <clears throat> don't do that. Jesus has this principle, right? He says that even though it's about that specific situation, it really is a universal principle that the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. My spirit says I want to keep to the budget. My flesh sees the sale sign. but it's 50% off. If I buy two, that's basically like free. Come on, anybody else get suckered in by that big red sign that says sale? Come on, everyone. Y'all know some of you getting, getting excited because you know 11-11 is coming up. Oh, and there's something different about 11-11 that you don't get in 10-10. You don't get it. 13th month pay is coming up, 11-11, I can feel it. Some of you are so excited for 12-12 already. Your spirit's willing, but your flesh is weak. I'm like that. My spirit's willing sometimes to live by, but I see that sale sign, it just something clicks inside of me, and my flesh is weak. I tell you, we got to learn to die to the flesh and let the Spirit help us stay strong with the budget that we have. It's hard to say no when you're foolish, and it's even harder to say no when you're insecure. Insecurity. You know, covetousness has been around since the beginning of mankind. Jealousy, wanting some. Do you know, like, do you know why we're in the mess we're in right now? Like the world, the mess, the world. Do you know why? Because right at the beginning of humanity, there, there was this woman. Got to be careful how I say this one. Uh, there was a woman who was told that she could have anything she wanted in the whole world, 
except one fruit on one tree. And you know what that woman wanted? The one thing she wasn't allowed to have? Adam's there. Eve, no. Don't have that fruit. Look at all the other fruit. She's like, Adam, I want that one. But Eve, God said, Adam, if you love me, I want that one, and Adam, I want it now. You know why we're in this mess? Because a woman wanted something, and a man was too weak to say no. Now, there's a bit of theological... Uh, within that, but essentially what I'm saying is true. And then they gave birth to two sons, Cain and Abel. And Abel got a response from God that Cain wanted, and Cain got angry and murdered his brother, literally four human beings alive, and they all want something that they can't, uh, that they're not even allowed and they can't get. It's the first family. No wonder we got so many problems in society. That's the first family on the planet. Talk about prophetically just laying down for the rest of us. And yet there's something inside of us that wants what we don't have. Or am I the, am I the only one? Where I look at what somebody else has. And, and this doesn't just affect people that don't have a lot. This affects every single class that's represented. In our church, we have every class in the Philippines represented in our church, and it affects everybody. And it affects us because we get so suckered into trying to live up to the standard that this family called the Joneses live at. Have you ever heard that saying, keeping up with the Joneses? I don't know who the Joneses are, but I hate them. If you're here and you're your last name is Jones. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I don't want to throw your entire family under the bus. But have you ever heard that saying, keeping up with the Joneses? You might have heard it. Essentially, what it means is that there's this hypothetical family called the Joneses who are just better at everything than you and I. They have a, a, a better house than us. They have better jobs than us. They have, a be well, they have a car, and that car is better than whatever car you have. It's better. They have a better watch than you. Their children are better looking than you. Their wife is better. Their, their noses are better. Their, everything about them is better, and we end up comparing ourselves with the Joneses. And the Joneses, now, the Joneses aren't just called the Joneses. It's called any social media influencer that you want to put on there. It's now everywhere, all over social media, and we end up killing ourselves because we want what the Joneses have, and half the time what the Joneses have is actually a lie. They don't own it. Half those models on Instagram, they don't own what they have. They're just putting up the product for it, but they don't actually own it. It sounds pretty unrealistic, right? It's because it is unrealistic. We should not break our budget or use our budget unwisely on things just so that we can impress other people around us. Philippians chapter two, verse three, it says, don't be selfish. 
Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Wow. Paul's saying don't be selfish. Don't try and impress other people. And, 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 I, and I wanna go back to what I said just before. This affects every class. Within every class, there are kingpins in every class. And so you might get to the top of your class and head from one class to the other and think, wow, look at me, finally I've made it. But I promise you, you've just gone from the top of your class now to the bottom of the next class. And the moment you get there, you will start looking at what everybody else has and go, well, how come I don't have that? I want that, I want that. This message, literally, it applies to every single person in the world, probably except Elon Musk. Elon Musk is the only person that could come to church today and be like, I don't need this, James. And I would say, Mr. Musk, you are correct. Please give me a Tesla and build a church building for us. That's what I would say to Elon, right? That's what, but everybody else, even within, do you know that even within billionaires, there are insecure billionaires? Because their yacht isn't as big as the other yacht? You, you never ever escape this sense of I don't have enough. And Paul's being clear, don't try and impress other people. And I wanna just say this, and I'm gonna talk about a few practical things. This is what I wanna say. If you have money, if you're, you know, whatever, money that you have, and if you budget well, and if you can afford to buy nice things, listen to me, today is not the day I'm shaming you at all. I like nice things. I'm not against that. And so with what I'm about to share, if you can afford to buy nice things, don't misinterpret what I'm saying, buy it, go ahead and buy it. But I just wanna speak just for a moment to people that maybe are feeling the pinch a little bit, maybe feeling a little bit tight and feeling the pressure that they have to buy a certain thing or live a certain way in order to be a part of a community or to impress people around them. Let's look at some real practical things that we, we feel pressured that we have to break our budget for. Um, I don't know, let's start with gadgets, right? Did you know that an, a cheap Android phone does the exact same thing that an expensive Garden of Eden A cheap Android phone does the exact same thing. If you can afford an expensive one, God bless you. But if, if you are breaking your budget because you're trying to impress someone, it's the worst thing to do. A phone takes photos and it writes messages. They all do it these days. Don't break the budget for it. Your clothes, let's talk about clothes. Oh, clothes, I love clothes. I love fashion, I love clothes. And, um, but, I think that there's far too many people that have a, a totally wrong viewpoint on what they think clothes will bring them in regards to social acceptance. Uh, like, we, we've had people uh, accuse our church. So one person got on my social media and said, I really liked your church, but I don't wanna come because uh, all the young people in, in the church, they all wear name brands, and if you don't wear a name brand, then you can't be a part of the church. And I'm like, what church are, what church are you going to? Like, for me, j just so you're aware of me, like, I'm the pastor, so I kind of set the culture, and I want to talk into the culture of our church here just for a moment. Like, I, I love shoes. God's blessed me with some, just some amazing people give me shoes, and I really love it, but I'm so frugal when it comes to my clothes. I am the king of sales. Like, I love it. 
Like I go to, I go to clothing stores. I'm like, excuse me, where's your sales section? Right? I'm, I am looking for sales everywhere. It is very rare that I would ever buy anything full. I only buy full price in emergency, right? Like I'll buy, I love sales. I don't buy big name, and I'm not against name brands at all. But even if you watch the way that I dress, like I don't have a lot of name brands. The only name brand is just, it's my pecs. It's not actual like. <laughs> it's not, and I'm, again, I'm not against it. I'm not against it. But do you know what as well? I am pretty intentional about how I dress because I want everyone to feel like they can wear whatever they want to our church and they're accepted. Don't break the bank to buy some piece of clothing that you think's gonna gain you acceptance. It won't. I know a person, she, this woman has more money on her pinky finger than I'll ever see in my whole entire life. And she had some Gucci shoes one day. I said, mmm, uh -huh, nice shoes. And she goes, Green Hills. Can I tell you, not even rich people are spending the money that some people are actually paying. Rich people are even getting the fake stuff because they know how shallow this is, right? So I wanna encourage you, don't break the bank for clothes. You can look great on a budget, like you do. Don't, don't be afraid. Do you know how many of my clothes are hand-me-downs? It's... All right. I am, do you know how not embarrassed I am to wear a hand-me-down? Now, please, I don't need your hand-me-downs. Don't start giving me clothes. <laughs> Pastor, I, this is old clothes for you. I, it's only three holes, Pastor, but you know, you're so poor, Pastor. I don't need your hand-me-downs, but I'll, I take hand-me-downs all the, I love them. I love him. In, in fact, I would, RJ, Pranav was at RJ's house the other day, and he took a photo of RJ, and RJ was on his bed with all these clothes around him. And I said, Pranav, steal me some of his clothes. I'm okay with theft. No, I'm not. I'm not. No, that just got real bad. No. But you get the point I'm making. I'm trying to, I'm trying to make this point because in our church, I don't care what you wear. Like, you look good, God bless you. You can look good on a budget. You can. Amen. Oh, sorry, just wear something. Yes. <laughs> don't come to church naked. This ain't the Garden of Eden. Here's one for you. Here's one for you. Don't break your budget to eat food. right? Don't break your budget to eat food. You don't have to eat out all the time. And not just that, you don't have to eat out at that certain restaurant that your friends want to go to. I am giving you, listen to me, no, maybe no one's ever said this before, but I'm giving you permission. It's okay to say no. It's okay to say, actually, that's outside of my budget. And if the people you're with laugh at you if they sneer at you or <laughs> they shouldn't be the type of people you want to hang out with. Why would you want to hang out with those people that look down on you because you're, 
Are you kidding me? I have had so many different seasons. When I was in college, man, I hustled in college. Some people have this false perception that everything's been easily given to me. Absolutely not. Kate and I have hustled as America. When I was in college, I was doing college and I was working at that time two jobs overnight in a supermarket, stacking shelves with the most ungodly men I have ever met in my life, having the most ungodly conversations that would make baby Jesus weep. And I was sitting there stacking shelves overnight. I would get home, sleep for two hours, go to college, do college all day, and then go from there to my other job, which was at a surf shop. I liked working at the surf shop because I got 50% off the clothes because I didn't have much money. And there would be times where I didn't have money to go out. There would be times where I couldn't even afford McDonald's or the only thing I could afford. In Australia, we used to have a 30-cent ice cream cone. And that's all I could afford. And that would be all I could have. And so I want to encourage you that especially if you're tight on your budget, it's okay to say no. And let me just go to the other side, the people inviting you out. Could you have enough self-awareness to know that not everybody has the same budget as you? Like, have enough self-awareness. When we started our church, we started doing discipleship on a Wednesday night, and we did it in a place called the Pioneer Street Market, which is out in, uh, next to TV5 in HMR, out in, uh, is it Pasig? It's Pasig, right? Yeah, in Pasig, out near Baco Ortigas. And... I was so deliberate in choosing that location because, again, even when our church only had 30 people in it, we had people from every class within the Philippines. And so I put our discipleship on a Wednesday night in a place where if you wanted to, you could bring your own food or you could buy some cheaper food at a stall or some more expensive food at a restaurant stall, whatever it was. I just tried to make it as accessible as possible. That's what we do with our young adults now. Our young adults see you, see you. We have it in the food court because we want people to be able to come and you can choose whatever you want and then we all meet in the middle and it doesn't matter what food you ate. What matters is that you're there. So could you just have a bit of self-awareness and a bit of sensitivity? You, You know what I do sometimes? Like, if I'm hanging out with maybe some of our college students who I know are a little bit tight, and I want to eat at a certain restaurant, and I know they can't afford it. Do you know what I say straight up? I said, hey, let's go eat. It's my, it's my shout, my treat. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay for it. Don't worry about it. I'll pay. Because I don't want them to be like, oh, pastor, ask me out. Okay, I'll go. Oh, I can't afford this. And they're sitting there in anxiety because pastor asked them to eat. And they're thinking, okay, enjoy this meal because I can't afford the next seven days because I'm eating this today, right? I don't, want, I don't want them to have that, that anxiety. So if you, if you want to go somewhere that's a little bit nicer and you want to take someone that can't afford it, tell them straight away, I'm paying for you. It's okay. Don't even worry about it. I got it. Hey, I'm not just saying this as a life thing. I'm talking into the culture of our house. We got people from every class, every type of wealth in this place. And so I want to encourage us to make sure that we're being aware of other people. Little things like the things we wear, like watches. Do you know that watches, right, that all watches, ready for this, all watches tell us the same thing? Did you know that? that Now, here's the thing. If you have a Rolex, God bless you. Um, That's actually great. Like, I'm glad you do. Buy another one. But, but don't go into debt to buy a Rolex. That's called stupidity. 
unless you're going to flip that Rolex and make money on it, and then it's a business deal, you know what I'm saying? But it's not that. Don't do it. The house you live, it might be smaller, but because you live in it, you have food to eat. Don't get a bigger house and then not afford it. Don't get a car if you can't afford it. I'm sure there's other things, but listen to me. If whatever you buy isn't for the purpose of keeping you alive, then it's an extra bonus in your life. The biblical promise in Philippians chapter four, verse 19 is very clear. And my God will meet all your, all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So everything that we have that is above our needs is a bonus. And I am so thankful to God for it. But we must learn how to live within our means. Because if we don't, we can fall into debt. Let's talk about debt. Because there are some people that say, don't, don't ever get into debt. Debt's wrong, debt's wrong. But you know what? There's actually a good debt and a bad debt. Now, I'm not a financial advisor, but I'm gonna just try and teach you for those that need to learn. There's good debt and bad debt. Sometimes it's okay to get into debt, good debt. You are borrowing money in order to purchase an asset and hopefully it's a non-depreciating asset, which means the value of it isn't going down. So I would go into debt in order to buy maybe a little studio uh, condo or a piece of land in the province or something like that or to buy a house or, or something. So, so we go into debt, and it's good debt because the asset, the thing that we're buying is worth more than the debt that we're in. So actually, if you really want to talk about it, you're not in debt. Uh, your asset, if it outweighs your liability of what you owe, you're not in debt because if push came to shove, you had to sell it, then you would be fine. That's good debt. And as well, good debt means that you can service it. Like you can actually pay off what you need to pay off. Bad debt is when you have borrowed money and whatever you own is worth less than the money that you've borrowed. And what's worse than that, you don't even have the money to service it. So cars, for example, are actually a terrible thing to borrow money on because it's a depreciating, oh, now I'm getting into it. Here we go. It's actually a depreciating asset. The moment you buy a brand new car, it loses like 20, 25% straight out of, wow, now I'm really getting into it. Wow, 25% straight. Anyway, the point I'm making is this, is that there's good debt and there's bad debt and the Bible's really clear. So if you've got a mortgage or if you want to go buy a condo, you're believing to God, stretching to put money down on finance, that, that's fantastic. But if you are in debt because you wanted a new pair of shoes, or if you're in debt because you wanted a car, but you can't service it now, let me tell you what Proverbs chapter 22 says about you. It says, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. You want to know the depths of anxiety and stress? Borrow money you cannot pay back. You will know anxiety and stress like you have never, ever known before, and you will become a slave to your lender. You know, one of the biggest things that has skyrocketed personal debt in the last 40 years, if not the biggest thing, it's credit cards. Credit cards. Credit cards are both a blessing, but I actually think it's far more of a curse. Now, I am not anti-credit card. Listen to me clearly. In fact, Kate and I have credit cards. Our whole life is on credit cards because we use it the way it should be used. A credit card is essentially a bank giving you credit, money that you don't have, 
and you are allowed to spend up to whatever the agreed upon limit is that you have. And so let's say you have a 10,000 peso limit. You may not have 10,000 pesos, but the bank will give you that 10,000 pesos, but they do it on the proviso that at the end of the month, you will pay back that 10,000 pesos. Now, the bank have this thing called a minimum repayment. Now, let me tell you a secret about the bank, right? Let me tell you a little secret. The bank is hoping that you don't pay back your credit card. They are hoping they don't like you. Listen to me. They want you to not pay it back. Because the moment you don't pay back at the end of the month what you owe, all that itsy-bitsy little writing that no one read, that at the bottom said, do you agree with all the terms and conditions? You know what each one of those little writings say? That 20% usually minimum interest is going to kick in now on whatever you haven't paid back. And that is going to add to the next month, to the next month, to the next month, to the next month until you're drowning in your eyeballs. And you, a lot of people will think, ah, it's okay, I'll just pay the minimum. If you just keep paying the minimum, your debt will keep growing and growing and growing, and it won't affect you until someone shows up on your doorstep demanding to take things that you own or you get put in jail because of it. The bank doesn't want you. The bank wants you to spend on a credit card. They do. Now, all credit cards aren't bad. Like I said, if you treat a credit card like a debit card, what, what's a debit card? A debit card is, you, it's the money you have in your account. You can't spend what you don't have. So Kate and I treat our credit card like it's a debit card. We only put money on it that we know we have that we can pay back. And the reason why we use our credit card is because we like frequent flyer points. It helps us to be able to fly and do the ministry and the different things. Wow, I made it spiritual to go... We use our credit card to reach the unreached people groups of the world. Let me tell you, let me tell you how much the world has actually changed, right? When I grew up, I don't think we had this here in the Philippines, but we had this in Australia. There was a system in Australia called lay-by, right? This was the system that was in Australia. It was called lay-by. And the whole point of lay-by was this, is that you would go to a shop, you would see something that you wanted, and you'd say, oh, I want to buy that. And so you would take it to the counter and say, I would like to buy this. I'd like to put this on lay-by. And the person would then say, okay, um, please put down a deposit, whatever it is, 10, 20%, whatever the store needed. You put down a deposit and they would take the item. And you know what they would do? They would put it in the back room and you would go away and you would agree upon, okay, how long do I have in order to pay off this product? And it might be a month, it might be three months, and they might make you have to pay every week or every month, whatever it is. But I remember that you would come back at the end of that and, and, and you would pay the last payment and they would give it to you. And oh, there was such a sense of accomplishment because as you were taking it, you owned it. It was your, it was actually from a society's point of view, it was a brilliant way to teach people how to budget because they were essentially saying, we'll give this to you, but we're not gonna give it to you until you can afford it. Nowadays, I get text messages every day on my phone. Buy now, pay later. Right? 
24 months interest-free. You don't have to pay anything for 24 months. You don't have to pay any interest for 24 months, but you have to pay it back every single month. And it's more expensive because you've got the interest free on it. Now the world is pushed. The world wants, listen to me. Oh, I'm not trying to be Captain Negative today. But the world wants you and I to be in debt. They actually do. They want us to get in debt because they know that if we can get trapped in the rat wheel of debt, we'll spend our whole lives paying off interest and never paying off principal. Principle is the actual asset. Interest is just what you pay for the right to have the loan of whatever you don't fully own. The world wants us to be in debt. But we gotta get out of it. We gotta say no to it. We gotta work hard. We gotta be good stewards of our finances as followers in Christ. You know, when we find our security in Christ, oh, then we won't begin to live under the pressures of what other people have. We can focus on being content with what God has given us instead of looking around even for get-rich-quick schemes. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11, wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. But wealth from hard work grows over time. Man, you know, everyone struggles with looking at other people. Kate and I, just this year, there are some people that would look at us and think that we are wealthy, right? Just because we eat and we have a car. There are other people that would look at us and think that we are very poor because of how wealthy they are. So it's all relative. Kate and I struggle with it. This year we went, we visited our friends in Perth. We were preaching in Perth. We visited our friends, two of our best friends in the world. And they showed us through their new house that they're building. Oh, it is beautiful. It should be because it costs $1.8 million to build. Beautiful house on top of a hill overlooking the ocean. Beautiful. So nice. And these are the most lovely people. They took us on top of the house. There's a, there's a space on top, on the, on the top roof. They got a space where you can sit up there and look at the ocean and the sunset. It suns, it, the sun sets over the water. Oh, so beautiful. Now, there's a piece of me that as a friend, I was like, wow, this is amazing. You deserve it. He's an orthopedic surgeon. He's earned it. Like this guy, he works hard. He makes money. He deserves it, right? He earns it. Then there's that little piece of me that's like, God, why am I a pastor? I do surgery on people, but I don't get a house like this. I do heart surgery. It's worse. What? They break a few bones. I got to deal with broken lives, not broken bones. Right? And there's a piece of me that, mm, that's, that's not thankful. And then I've got to slap myself and go, meh. Kate and I live in a townhouse that we're blessed to live in. This, this church. Someone said it to me this morning. I talked about it. I said, man, I... I wouldn't trade what we have in this church for any amount. Well, <laughs> if it was like $10 billion, I might trade you. I'm just being honest, right? Like 10 billion. If it was $10 billion, I could start another church. But I'm that. <laughs> but really, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change. This, this means more to me than any, any amount of money. 
under $9.9 billion. Um, I went, but, but we, I got to struggle with, with it too. I got to struggle with that thing in my heart that's like, ah, oh, I had to do it. But over time, over work, I got a plan for my family. I'm working hard. This week, I had a meeting. Late at night, I was really tired, but I had another meeting that went a couple of hours extra, and it's me just trying to do extra things for our family, just trying to work hard because it ain't, there's no such thing as a get-rich-quick scheme. It's just working hard, knowing that, hey, God, you're going to bless. If, if you can trust me with the little God, then I know you're going to trust me with a lot. The, one last thing I want to end on, and this ain't going to be a big spiritual ending, um, even though Jing, oh, no, not Jing. Wow. Wow, Jing, you're very handsome. Uh, even though I got Papa Smurf with me on stage, <laughs> making, it, uh, making it sound spiritual. I, it's not going to be a very spiritual ending, but I didn't really have anywhere else to put this, so I'll, I just thought I'd just put it at the end, um, is when it comes to people that are married and with money. You know, one of the crazy things that I've seen over the years is how some married people have their finances just completely like individualized within their marriage. Uh, they have different bank accounts. And I'm not talking about for practical reasons. I mean like it's like fully different. Some people get paid, she gets paid, he gets paid, and they pay some bills together, but then it's separate. Can I, can I tell you, the biblical, if you want a scriptural biblical idea of this, is once you become married, you become as one. That means physically, that means emotionally, that means spiritually, and it means financially. So it means what's mine is yours, and what's yours is mine. And I've had to talk to some couples where I've said, hey, you've got to change the way you do your finances because you got to make sure that, that you understand that that money, it's yours. Like, it's not like you, you worked for it, you earned it, so mm, I'll just give you a little bit. No way. You give your spouse an allowance? What, what are you, their lover or their parent? I don't give my wife an allowance. She's not 12 years old. My wife takes. The agreed upon money that we have both agreed upon for the budget of whatever she spends, she spends uh, the money on. It becomes, it becomes, it's our money. It's not, you know, some people, we had a question. Uh, I was doing a Q&A with Albie earlier this year in our men's, was it our men's camp? It was at the men's camp, and Albie asked the question. It was a great question. One of the guys had asked, you know, what if my wife earns more money than me? And me and Albie both laughed. Oh, Albie, of course. But um, <laughs> his lawyer wife, uh, um, right? But we both laughed, and we kind of both answered, and we both said, praise God. You're lucky. You're a blessed man. You know, and I get some men are like, you know, well, I'm the man. I, I've got to provide for my family. And listen to me. I am all for men working hard for their family. I am. Like, if you're a lazy man, if, you, if your wife earns more than you because you are being lazy about it, oh, I want to come and lay the hands of Jesus upon you and pray for you as I slap laziness out of you. Like, I, like I'm not for laziness. If she's earning more because she's hustling, and you're sitting on your fat butt at home drinking and doing stupid things, then you, de you, deserve, you deserve her to come home and to get the cash she earns and to slap you in the face with that cash, right? But, but if you're both working hard and it just so happens that your wife is super talented 
and skilled or got a great job or hit the jackpot or did something well. Hey, don't get insecure about it. Man, you got a sugar mama. Like, that's awesome. Like, I'd be telling all my boys about it. Yeah, how much your girl earn, huh? Yeah, yeah, you see this? My girl, right? Like, I, I, begin, I begin excited about it. I, I, you know, hey, just having a bit of security because there might be some seasons where one might be up and one might be down. Some seasons where one might be down, one might be up. It, it doesn't matter. It's all ours. Agree upon a budget. Yeah, within your budget, you can each have what you want to spend your money on, but agree upon it. You're as one. You're a married couple together. Don't have his and her money. It's our money together because, yeah, that's all I have to say on that. I'm blessed. I have a wonderful wife who in different seasons has worked hard, uh, has earned money in different seasons, has been at home with the kids, and we have never fought about money, ever. It's actually been pretty amazing in our marriage. <clears throat> we have fought about a lot of other things, but we have never really fought about money because she trusts me, she trusts God, we both trust God, and when we've had little, we've trusted the Lord. And the Lord in different seasons of our life have given us a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. Do you know why our church is so blessed? Can I tell you why our church is so blessed? Let me be very blunt with you. Because when we didn't have much, we did well with it. And I used to remember sitting on a floor counting every peso from our tithes that would come in. And some of those weeks were real bad. And we made every peso stretch as far as we could. I didn't have a table in my office for eight months. I sat on a fold-out divisoria table for eight months because we just didn't have money as a church because we were trying to make it stretch to pay off the building at Shangri-La. And God has blessed our church so much. We did well with the little, and God has given us a little bit more. And you know what? We're going to keep doing well with a little bit more because I'm believing God's going to give us a little bit more. And as a church, when we get here, we're going to keep doing well with it and stewarding it right, and God's going to give us a little bit more. And then before you know it, we're going to have a building, and we're going to do well with the building. And do you know why? Because God's not going to stop with one building, and he's going to give us more and more and more. But it starts, what are you doing with the little that's in your hand? How are you spending the little that's in your hand right now? How are you spending? Who here today you felt God kind of convict your heart about something in your heart? Let me pray for you. Can I pray for you? Why don't we stand for a moment? Just stand. Maybe you're here and you got convicted about saying no. You need strength to say no. Maybe you're here and you got convicted about breaking your budget for silly things that don't matter. Maybe you had a conviction that you actually need to have a budget. And you need to start a budget. It could be real practical. I told you today was going to be really practical. But God cares about the practical. God cares about your practical. So if the Lord challenged you or spoke to you about anything today, could you just lift your hands? I just want to pray for you. We're not going to get big and spiritual, but I'll just pray. Lord, I thank you that your word is so clear. It gives us incredible promises that if we can be trusted and do well with the little, then God will be trusted with even more than that. And I pray right now with whatever we have in our hand, Lord Jesus, 
however small or however big it is now, I pray that we would use it wisely, that we would steward it well, God, that we would be generous, Lord, that, God, you would help us make the right decisions with the money that we have, Lord Jesus. I pray for those that have been feeling the pressure of keeping up with the Joneses, feeling the pressure, whether it's in what we wear or how we live or in, in what we do. God, I pray, let that pressure be broken right now in the name of Jesus. Let it be broken. Any lies that would come in people's heads that would say they have to buy a certain thing or dress a certain way in order to be accepted or they'll laugh at you or you'll be embarrassed. Any of those lies, God, let them leave right now in the name of Jesus. God, let truth come into people's lives. Let truth come in now in Jesus' name. God, give us the boldness to say no. Give us the boldness to stick to our convictions, God. Give us the wisdom to make a good budget and the boldness to stick to the conviction to live by it. Oh, we love you. We give you the praise. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage you. Yeah, you can give God praise if you want. <clears throat> I want to encourage you. If you need to make a budget, make a budget. If you need to get a nap, get a nap. If you need to do research, talk about it. There's a guy called Dave Ramsey, who's a Christian guy who talks a lot about finances online. Go look him up. But I really wanna encourage you, if you need to make a change, let this be the, the push you need to make that change. You know, the reason why I love being able to talk about having security with Jesus, being able to stand up, I don't really get embarrassed at all when it comes to what I own or what I wear or anything like that, I really don't find any embarrassment because I know who I am. I know who I am and I know whose I am. I know that I might be a pastor, but uh, you know, I might uh, you know, help people, but those are just the things I do. Who I am is I'm a child of God. And the reason why I know I'm a child of God is because I have a relationship with Jesus. I have a personal relationship with Jesus. And the way that I came into a personal relationship with Jesus was I began to read the Bible and I began to realize what the Bible said about those that didn't have a relationship with Jesus. That We've all been born with sin, and thanks to Adam and Eve back, you know, and I want that one, uh, thanks to all of that, sin actually came into the world, and that sin separates us from God. We might not be bad people, but we've still got sin in our lives, and that sin needs a price paid for it. And when Jesus came to this earth 2,000 years ago, and many of you would know the story from Easter, he died on the cross, but it's not just some fairy tale story. He died on the cross so that he could pay the price for the sin that you and I have done. The sin that has separated us from God the Father. And because Jesus died on that cross, he took our sin off us. He broke the power of that sin and he has made a way. It's him. He's the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life that we can access to get to God the Father. Maybe you're here today and you've never made that decision before to actually come and to present your sin before Jesus. Would you forgive me of this sin? Maybe you did this a long time ago, but you walked away from God. You don't have an active relationship with Jesus. Well, I want to give you an opportunity to respond today. Could you just bow your heads, close your eyes? If you're saying, James, that's me. I'm that first person. I never did this before. Or you're saying, James, I'm that second person. I did this a long time ago, but I walked away. If that's you, when I count to three, could you just lift your hands real nice and high? Because I want to pray for you right where you stand today. 
and we're all gonna pray a prayer together. So if that's you on the count of three, say, yeah, James, that's me. You lift your hands. One, two, three. Right now, all over this room. Awesome, lift it nice and high. Thank you, hands here, hands here, hands in the side as well. Thank you, Jesus. Lift it nice and high so that we can see you because we wanna pray up in the back corner as well. Up in the middle, I see your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, you're wonderful, Lord. If you lifted your hand, put your hand on your heart right now, if you lifted your hand. And I wanna pray for you. We're all gonna pray a simple prayer. And it's just reflecting what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 10 in the Bible. He said that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So come on, let's say this prayer all together. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I come to you right now. And I ask you to forgive my sin. I believe that you died on the cross, but you broke the power of sin and death, and you rose from the grave. So right now I ask, please come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we give God praise for every hand that just went up? Beautiful.